The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Monday morning. Happy Monday to you all out there, and welcome to May, as it is May 2nd, 2022. It is 7.02 on your Tucson Monday, and you're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, as we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And uh, a weekend full of NFL drafting, uh, all kinds of new players, finding their way to their new homes in the NFL, hopefully for many of them, for most of them, hopefully, it is a long-term home for them. Uh, you know, obviously we know that there's a lot of movement, uh, you know, in the NFL as, as other pro leagues, as they're, you know, as just, you know, it's expected. It's the, the process of the whole thing. Uh, but uh, some good players were taken. I thought some interesting teams or some teams made some interesting draft picks over the weekend, not just on Thursday in round one. But also in the Friday picks, days two, day two, and uh, rounds two and three, and then on Saturday with the remaining rounds three through or four through seven, there were some uh, there were some interesting picks, and of course I'll have my my choices, my opinions on the teams I thought had better weekends than others. Some teams I thought were a little worse than others. Uh, I'll talk specifically about the Cardinals. We'll go kind of pick by pick through them. I also have some thoughts on uh, what the Dallas Cowboys were doing. I thought they had a. a a very interesting draft did the did the Dallas Cowboys. So we'll talk about that, and I'll talk, tell you some of the teams that I really liked. Uh, look, I think there was a lot to like, and I, I think I'm kind of more of I'm more of an optimist. I think and find the positives in a in, in drafts. But very rarely do I sit there and, t- and look at a team's draft and go, "Wow, oh, this is terrible. This is ridiculous. What the hell are they doing?" Uh, there are a few teams who's ha- who had drafts that I didn't particularly like, New England Patriots. But uh, I, I think for the most part, you know, just looking back year to year, I think for the most part I'm more positive than I am negative about, like, my draft grades, if you will. I guess I don't really hand them out. Like, I'm not like Mel Kuyper or anything. But uh, I think I'm a little more positive than, than, than for the, you know, than what would be a negative, I guess. So we'll talk about that. Uh, but I did have some teams that I thought had some head scratchers and, you know, just head scratching weekends for that, uh, for that part. Um, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the NBA playoffs, of course. As uh, yesterday, the round two game ones were, began, essentially. Uh, the uh, the first one in Boston with Milwaukee and the Celts uh, starting their series. And I thought that was, uh, it was a good game for a little while. And then Milwaukee just kind of took over and Boston just looked completely out of sorts. Uh, we'll discuss that game and where the future of that series lies. Because I don't think... I don't think game one is indicative of the way that series is going to go. <clears throat> I still think I, – I, I felt all along that Milwaukee is the best team in, in the East. Uh, I know that they are somewhat shorthanded, especially now that they have uh, Chris Middleton out for this series with the grade two MCL sprain, could be out for the Eastern Conference Finals as well should they get there. Um, so I know that they're even more shorthanded than they were, but I, I just I saw something in the NBA – finals last year with Giannis Antetokounmpo that just set him aside from the rest of the NBA to be honest with you, outside of LeBron who's you know so old now that he it's he's a he's a uh, I almost would like to call it a shell of his former self 
And it's not even that he's old. It's just that he's involved in so many other things. He got to Los Angeles and started opening up businesses and, you know, is now too busy for all this other stuff. So, uh, but I, you know, I just think that he's, Giannis is such a special player that that's what sets the Milwaukee Bucks side. It doesn't matter if they're shorthanded, they're missing their best shooter. doesn't doesn't matter. <laughs> and obviously it didn't matter yesterday. So we'll talk about that. Also in the Western Conference semifinals, a game one between the Warriors and the Grizzlies. Got a little at hand last night as far as, or yesterday afternoon, I should say, as, as far as like just kind of like hard fouls. It was like one team, you know, a veteran, a veteran team trying to establish uh, a physical dominance over a younger team and a younger team kind of retaliating in a younger team sort of way. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic between those two. Uh, those two squads there, and, and it's something to look forward to. It was a close game last night, though. Man, that was, you know, the Grizz had the the, the, the lead at halftime, and uh, the Warriors end up winning that game. So we'll talk about that. Some of the things that I saw, Draymond ejected from that game. <clears throat> Another uh, flagrant two for him in this postseason already uh, in game one of the second second round series. So that's something that needs to be looked at as well because, as we all remember, Draymond was suspended in the NBA Finals. And, you know, a lot of people think it's because he kicked LeBron in the groin, and that's not – that – I mean, that was the act that got him suspended, but he didn't get suspended because he kicked LeBron in the groin. He got suspended because he had his fourth F2 in that postseason, and four of them in one postseason get you an automatic suspension. So <laughs> so uh, he's already got two. He's halfway there, well on his way to another suspension. Could that suspension come in a postseason series against the Suns? Who knows? Uh, still got a long ways to go, and uh, we'll talk about that. Speaking of the Suns, they start their round two series tonight. They're going to be taking on the Dallas Mavericks in game one here in Phoenix. And uh, you can, of course, hear the action all here on ESPN Tucson as we are your radio home, your Tucson radio home for the Phoenix Suns and the NBA's best team. And uh, we'll be giving you a full preview of that series because it's going to be an interesting one. You know, Luka has been so good in the playoffs in his career. I mean, really, there's only one player that's ever been better than him through the first 16 games of their postseason career in the in the NBA's history. So, um, you know, Luka has picked the brightest lights to shine under. We'll talk about all of the things that are going to be you're going to be able to see in this uh, in this particular series. How is Devin Booker's hamstring going to hold up? Will the will the Phoenix Suns find out you know solve the riddle their own riddle to what's going on defensively with them as their defense has really just gone into the tank in this postseason or was it just brilliance from an uprising star in Brandon Ingram? So we'll talk about all that kind of stuff as we preview uh, we preview that series coming up a little bit later in the show. And we also have some local news to get into as uh, the Wildcats baseball team over the weekend, uh, a four-day weekend, if you will, for them as they took on Nevada, a a good baseball team, team that had a a good RPI, um, and Arizona wins three of the four games. They get shut out over the weekend on uh, Saturday. They got shut out. Saturday night was the first time they were shut out since, like, 2016 or something like that. They've been, like, 200-plus games that, uh, that they'd scored at least one run in. So that streak ends, and they lose that game 2 nothing. But um, they had – again, this is – this weekend was a – was a, a you know, essentially like a, a, a dichotomy of, of the, entire, the entire season 
of Arizona baseball. Like I talked about it last week where the previous, you know, they, have, they have the big walk-off home run win. They look, you know, like they look terrible in the, in the second game where they, they're booting the ball all over the infield and they can't, you know, they're giving up tons of unearned runs and blah, blah, blah. And then they have a dominant win on Sunday. And then, again, against Nevada over the weekend, they have a walk-off win. They have a game where they don't play well, where the bats just were just completely silent. And the defense was good, so I can't, I can't knock the defense. The defense was good all weekend. Um, and then they get a dominant performance on Sunday to put the, uh, put the Wolf Pack away. So, uh, again, you, you know, the, the entire season all truncated into one series, and that's what we uh, – if, if, if there's anything, they're consistently inconsistent in the way they play day-to-day. And, again, you're dealing with young players, young teams. That's going to happen. Uh, we, these are the kinds of the things that we expect. So, um, you know, it's not – you know, they don't, they're not like – I was bring up Tennessee as, as kind of a – uh, a measuring stick, and I think everybody should be doing that because that's by far the most dominant baseball team on the planet right now. Uh, they had a pitcher throw 105 miles an hour over the weekend. Yeah, so <laughs> they're a little loaded over there in Knoxville. So we'll talk about things going on on the campus. Uh, Arizona women's basketball last night got a huge, huge bit of news in the transfer portal as an incoming. It's, it's something that's, that's it's kind of been a one-way route for, uh, for a Dia Barnes program so far this offseason as so many players have transferred away. Seven players have left the program uh, this offseason. She got one back last night and a real good one, and we'll talk about that coming up when we get into some of the local news. But let's begin with the NFL draft as, of course, three days of Christmas for NFL fans and for NFL teams getting to – Pick their gift for the upcoming season, or gifts, depending on you know how many they had. And so there are a lot of teams that didn't have first-round picks. In fact, like this year, right? So looking at looking at you know how many teams had first-round picks and how many teams didn't, there were nine teams that had multiple first-round picks, which was the most in the uh, in, in the in, in the draft era, the the the, the you know since the uh, 1967 merger, right? That's the most teams we've ever had with multiple first round picks we had 10 teams without a first round pick which was also the most in the history of the nfl draft since the 1967 uh merger so uh, a whole lot of you know firsts this year also the amount of trades that were made in the first round i think it either tied or broke the record for most trades in a first round of any of any nfl draft so that was another kind of a, uh, an unprecedented moment over the weekend. Round one, all right, so the defense completely dominated round one of the, of the, of the draft. We expected that, right? Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, it, it, it's funny because, you know, there were, what, 15 offensive players taken, right? Uh, yeah, 15. So 17 defensively, but normally you see more offense than you see defense. So that's why uh, you, you would say that, that defense dominated. But it seemed like everybody that was taken on offense was either a wide receiver or an offensive lineman. Like there wasn't anything else. Like running backs weren't taken, tight ends weren't taken. You had a quarter, one quarterback taken, right? Kenny Pickett went, went to the Pittsburgh Steelers in round one, um, which now is looking almost like, I don't want to say a reach, but based on what we saw – after Kenny Pickett was drafted, it was like, is anybody going to pick a quarterback this year? Because nobody, like Malik Willis sitting there forever. 
Uh, Desmond Ritter finally got drafted. He got drafted ahead of, of Malik Willis. It was a it was a weird weird weekend in the NFL draft. Just a couple of like the things that, that we don't normally see, um, you know, happening in, in the draft, and that's certainly what happened in this draft. Quarterbacks, you know, people stayed away from them uh, like the plague almost. Now the Cardinals. I thought the Arizona Cardinals. We'll start with them because I thought the Cardinals had had a had a good draft. Um, if you just kind of like you, you look at what they addressed as far as team needs, you know, obviously we discussed some of the things that they needed the most were defensive, and you know they needed an edge rusher. They need someone to set that edge opposite of J.J. Watt with the exit of Chandler Jones. There, they needed cornerback help. They needed to up in, increase their wide receiver game, which they did in round one with a trade for Hollywood Brown, which we discussed on Friday. So they took care of all that kind of stuff. So then it was up to, you know, up to Steve Kime and his staff to go ahead and round out the rest of the draft. And I thought, I I thought they did extremely well. In fact, I have the Cardinals, in my opinion, had one of the top drafts of all of the teams in the league this, this past weekend. They started on day two with, the pick of uh, they say they picked number fifty five overall, so right in the middle of that second round, and I thought I didn't think there was any way this kid was going to be available at this point in the draft because he was far and away the best at his position in this draft. I mean, there was there wasn't anybody close to this kid in regards to uh, this particular position. I'm talking about the tight end position when they drafted Colorado State tight end Trey McBride. I mean, he, you know, this, like, this dude, I mean, there wasn't, like I said, there wasn't anybody close in this particular class to Trey McBride. But you're looking at a guy, you know, 6'4", 250 pounds. He's a crisp route runner. Uh, he ran a four five and a half forty at the Combine. Uh, he's got great hands. He's a really, uh, he's really good on the line of scrimmage, too, which is the one thing that kind of makes him, you know, set him apart from the rest. You know, in this, in most drafts with tight ends, you either get like pass catching tight ends, like we've seen over the last few years, like guys that are wide receivers dressed as tight ends, right? They just got a few extra, you know, a little extra height, a little extra weight to them, but they're wide receivers. They, they're just they're fast. They, they've got all the skills of a wide receiver. Or you have blocking tight ends, guys that are going to be lining up tight to the line of scrimmage, not leave for too much, maybe catch a few balls a season. Uh, but for the most part, they, they're guys that are going to be – it's an extension of an offensive lineman. Trey McBride gives you both. Uh, he's, you know, he's really quite good in both aspects. Uh, you know, caught like 157 balls while he was at uh, – while he was at Colorado State and was really, you know, the feature of their offense um, for the last year and a half or so. I thought that was a, a, a remarkable pick for them. That now gives them another weapon opposite of Zach Ertz. You know, they can you can run, you know, stack tight ends where you run, you maybe you put you put McBride on the line of scrimmage, you run Ertz in that H back kind of slotted position there as you kind of stack them up. You can put him in motion and you can you can flip flop them around. And it gives Kyler Murray another really, really good pass catcher, a good route runner, and a kid who's just I think he's, you know, he'll start day one. He's, you know, he's going to be a part of this offense day one. Uh, I thought it was a brilliant pick and really, really surprised that he was there at pick number 55 overall. Then they picked a guy who I kind of had, you know, every year on my on my draft boards, when I when I put together a draft board, 
I do my top 51. I do the top who I think the top 50 players are of the draft. And then I always do a sleeper pick, a guy who most people, most ex, you know, experts and pundits have outside of their top 80, top 100 players uh, in, the, you know, in the draft. And one of the guys who was up for my player 51 is what I call him. Uh, one of the guys who was up for my player 51 was Cameron Thomas, the defensive lineman from San Diego State. Got to see him up close and personal this year when the Aztecs came to Tucson, of course. Had a brilliant game. I called his name over the PA system you know, multiple, multiple times, so he caught my eye there. And I continued to watch Cameron Thomas throughout the remainder of last season. And I was really impressed by what I saw because – you know, they moved him all up around. And I can't remember the D.C.'s name, Kurt. Uh, I can't remember what his name is over there at, at San Diego State right now off the top of my head. His first name's Kurt. I know that. But, uh, the, you know, they moved Cameron Thomas up and down that line of scrimmage. They they really turned him into a multiple gap scheme type of defensive end slash defensive lineman. I loved his versatility. And the Cardinals got him with the 87th overall pick. Now, that's kind of around where he was. I think Kuiper had him as, as like his 84th best prospect in the draft or something like that. Um, but I, I thought it was a brilliant pick by Steve Kime. I think he's a guy that gives you a ton of versatility. He's not a boomer bust kind of guy. He's not going to fill the, 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 the spot left behind by Chandler Jones, but he'll certainly be a member of that defensive line day one and a guy that you can put anywhere. And then 13 picks later – they went and got a little bit more of a pass rush specialist in my Jay Sanders, the the kid from Cincinnati. There he was there there you know pass rush uh, pass rush specialist there. Uh, so I I felt like that both of those picks, both of their third round picks, were really really well done. And I as much crap as I've given Steve Kime over the years for his inability to uh, to produce a draft. And look, I'm I'm not the only one. I'm not the only person that's that's on this, and it's supported by facts. In fact, I saw a great uh, a great chart over the weekend um, that that some analytics team had put together about players in the draft, you know, or, or players in the NFL over the last five years that were drafted, and what their wins against replacement would be. And the number one team drafting wins against replacement in the NFL over the last five years have been the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think anybody – I mean, you look at the Chiefs, you're like, they've hit every draft out of the ballpark every single year the last five years. And the worst team in the NFL was, in fact, the Arizona Cardinals. On the, the Based on this metric and the players that they drafted and their, their war rating, uh, they were dead last in the NFL, followed by, I think, the Raiders, I think, were second worst, which people wouldn't argue with that. You know, people were like, man, the Raiders can't draft anybody. They haven't had a, a good draft to speak of in a long time. And Cardinals, same way. And it's it's all backed up by by proof and by fact. But I will tell you this, the first first two days for the Arizona Cardinals, you know, the Thursday and Friday, I thought were remarkable. They were able to work that deal with Hollywood Brown and the Baltimore Ravens several days leading up to the draft. And we'll get into it on the other side of the break, too, about this whole – acting job by Lamar Jackson, which was very apparent now that you look back on it. Um, and then, you know, we'll, so we'll talk about that. I thought there were some interesting notes there. The the uh, But the Cardinals, I thought, had a, had a brilliant first two days. Thursday and Friday, excellent. They, they get, in my opinion, if I were putting a grade on, I'd say A+. Plus. And though it's not, they're not sexy picks. You know, Trey McBride, Cameron Thomas, MyJ Sanders, 
they're not like, ooh, ah, you know, they got the the speed burner, you know, take top off the defense kind of guy, or they didn't get that, you know, big strong arm quarterback, or they didn't get the guy who led his conference in sacks last year. None of that stuff. But what they did get is really, really solid value at every single one of those picks, in my opinion. And then they went on. They didn't have any picks in the fourth or fifth round. So early on on Saturday, there was nothing going on for the Cardinals. But they had five picks in the final two rounds, and I thought they did well there. With their number 201 overall pick uh, in the sixth round, they took the running back from USC, Keontae Ingram, whom you know we've obviously seen here in the Pac-12. Uh, I thought he was he was pretty good value for them there. Gives them some options uh, and a guy that they can bring into camp and kind of see what he can do. They got the guard from Virginia Tech, Lesida Smith, who is uh, you know he's a he's a he's a project, but they like and a lot of people did like his kind of intangibles, his size and the way he moves with that amount of size that he's got. So um, I thought that was a good pick for them in the seventh round. They got a corner from Valdosta State. No idea who that kid is. <laughs> Seventh round corner, you, you know, okay, sure, whatever. Uh, then they took the linebacker, an outside linebacker from uh, Penn State, Jesse Laqueta, and their final pick was another guard, the kid from uh, Oklahoma, Marquise Hayes, and uh, that rounded up their draft. Again, not a whole lot of meat on the bone there in, in, the, in, the, in the final day of the, of the draft because they didn't have any fourth or fifth round picks. But I thought the uh, the Ingram pick at running back was good. The pick of uh, Lesida Smith at uh, at guard. There were a lot of people that, you know, l- you know, expect him to be a project, but like the things that they bring that he brings to the table. So I uh, thought all in all, that the Cardinals were one of the highest rated, in my opinion, one of the highest rated teams in this particular draft. So, um, but we'll we'll talk about that on the other side because, in in you know. The whole Hollywood Brown situation, and we'll talk with with Tyler Drake about this. We're going to have Tyler on later on in the week on Wednesday, like we usually do. Our Cardinals insider to talk the uh, the Cardinals draft and what you know what the thoughts are in the building as far as that goes. Um, but the whole ho- trade for Hollywood Brown, you know, now that we now that we kind of have a look back over the weekend, we can see just how long the wheels had been in motion. I mean, Hollywood Brown was at the Cardinals draft party. It wasn't like a surprise to anybody. And Hollywood Brown, when he gave an interview, said that he talked with Lamar Jackson about this. Like, they talked about it last season, not just like a few days ago. They talked about it last season. Like, you know, I'm trying to get out of here. Uh, you know, it's just not the right fit. And I'm going to ask for a trade when the season's over. But, we're, you know, we're going to try to keep playing here, blah, blah, blah. And then Lamar Jackson going out on Twitter on, you know, on Thursday night, like, oh, my God, what is going on? What is my team doing? What the heck? He knew. Like, he knew all along. So why the dramatics? Kind of unnecessary, in my opinion. All right. Well, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll continue on with more of the NFL draft, some of the teams who had drafts that I liked, some of the teams who had drafts that I didn't like, uh, what were the Dallas Cowboys thinking, and some other, uh, some other news and notes about some specific teams as well. Come on back. We're right here on the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Round two of the playoffs are here, and you can make every game feel like Game 7 on FanDuel Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NBA. Throughout all round two and the remaining of the NBA playoffs, all customers can place their no-sweat, 
same game parlay each week. Now, if you're asking what the No Sweat SGP is, you just go to the FanDuel Sportsbook site. You can go to the app or the or the website. Okay, look for the for the opt in button. You know, for the promo, opt in. Okay, choose a same game parlay that you like. So, for instance, tonight for the Phoenix Suns, if you want to pick, you know, Suns money line, you can pick, you know, DeAndre Ayton. Maybe you know for you know fifteen plus and eighteen plus uh, fifteen points and eight rebounds. Chris Paul twenty points and ten assists. You know whatever you want to do, put together your SGP. However you want to shape it, uh, and then you, you you know you put that in there. Once you've opted in, that is your uh, no sweat SGP for the week. If it doesn't win, if you you know if you lose the bet, unfortunately that's you know that's part of the game. But FanDuel is going to compensate you with up to twenty dollars in free bets, and it's just like playing with literally with house money. You can just spin that right into another bet, and if you win, you keep it. So FanDuel has a ton of ways for you to customize your parlays, your ways, and best of all, when you do win, you'll get paid out faster than an inbounds alley oop to DeAndre Ayton. And I, you know, I won a couple over the weekend, and the Lightning pass, fast payouts they were in my account virtually right away. Uh, and if you're new to FanDuel, that's great. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Sign up with my promo code DEAN, that's D-E-A-N, to enjoy access to even more great promotions like this one. But, again, that's uh, that's my promo code DEAN exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. So lace them up this NBA postseason and get up to $20 in free bets if your same-game parlay doesn't win with FanDuel Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NBA. 21 and over and present in Arizona. Refund issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max free bet is $20 per week. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. All right, we'll continue to talk some NFL draft. There were some teams that I didn't that had drafts that I didn't like. Those teams include the Patriots, the Jags, possibly the Chargers. And I'll talk about that coming up, uh, why I didn't like what the Chargers did. I wasn't a big fan of what the Commanders did, although Washington did have two good picks in the draft. I liked two of their picks. The rest of them were complete head-scratchers. But I liked the Jahan Dotson pick, and I liked, of course, the Sam Howell pick. I thought the Sam Howell pick in the fifth round was huge uh, value for them. And I I think (laughs) – I honestly think he's going to challenge Carson Wentz for the starting job this year. I really do. Um, And then another team had a head-scratching first round. They they just – I felt like they reached on a lot of players in this draft, and we'll talk about the Dallas Cowboys next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Jeff Dean Show here on this Monday morning, getting you started on the week. Plenty of things to look back on over the weekend and then things to look forward to as uh, we gear up for a big week in uh, in sports. The NHL Stanley Cup playoffs begin tonight. We'll see if uh, my Florida Panthers, and yes, I'm riding with the Panthers because I've been riding with them since October 9th when I placed a sizable bet on them, a sizable uh, future wager on them to win the Stanley Cup <laughs> this year that I'm holding on to, and I'm just like, come on, Panthers. And uh, I got them at plus 1,900 before the season started, and now they're, you know, they and, and the Avalanche are the favorites to uh, to hoist the cup. So hang on to them, and I'll be rooting for the Panthers, and we'll talk some uh, some NHL throughout the uh, throughout the week. We'll even preview a little bit of what we're going to see tonight on the NHL. 
Now, I mentioned some teams that I didn't like, you know, that had drafts that I didn't like. I, uh, the Patriots, what? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's the Patriots, and we should just trust what Bill Belichick is doing all the time. Um, but, dude, like, what, who are these people that you drafted? Okay, we talked about the kid, Cole Strange, the guard from Chattanooga. Okay, And the, and the Patriots are getting beat up on this like crazy. Again, I kind of agree with that pick because a guy who was, you know, a, a former member of their administration staff there, a guy who was, you know, a, a field-level admin uh, type of stuff, said in an interview just a few weeks ago that was just asked about this kid, this Cole Strange kid from Chattanooga, and basically said that the, the Patriots are going to draft him with the first pick because he's the perfect fit for them. They, he's, a, he's everything the Patriots look for. So well, if we... If we kind of look at that, we're like, we should have seen it coming. He's a guy that, that they like. And we, when it comes to the Patriots drafting offensive linemen, and if they say this is our kind of guy, this is our fit, you got to trust that because they've consistently had the best offensive line, most consistent offensive line in football for years. They're not going to ex- you know exploit people in the running game, uh, but they're, they're going to protect their quarterback. They're going to play as a, as a unit, and they're very tough you know, to break through. So, uh, you you got to trust that. But then after that, you're like, what in the world were they thinking? Um, they In the second round, they took a wide receiver, which they needed. Okay, that's It was a position of need for them, so props to them for you know recognizing that. But they took Tyquan Thornton out of Baylor, who might not have even been the best wide receiver on his own team, let alone the guys that were still available when they took the guy. George Pickens was available, Sky Moore, Jalen Tolbert, Alec Pierce, all guys who were still available when they took Tyquan Thornton. I was like, what? <laughs> okay. Then they t- took back-to-back positions of need. They need corners in New England. They took two of them. They took Marcus Jones from Houston. I honestly don't know anything about him. Then they took Jack Jones, fourth round, in the fourth round, out of Arizona State. Now, Jack Jones, you know, according to, you know, the the experts and things like that, is a you know athletically, and has you know has put up some some good numbers and and done you know pretty well for himself, uh, and playing the position. He's also been arrested multiple times. He's been in all kinds of off field trouble, uh, whether it was at Arizona State or at previous stops. I, and and the Patriots are a team that don't draft guys like that. They don't bring people like that into their building. I was completely dumbfounded by that one. I was like, really? Of all the corners available, you're going to take the one that has a rap sheet. Okay. <laughs> sure. Then they took the running back from South Dakota State. Again, no idea. The kid put up big numbers, but, I, you know, okay. And then they took Bailey Zapp, the quarterback from Western Kentucky, the gadget quarterback who just, you know, at Western Kentucky, it's just – we're going to go four fly patterns, just throw the ball up into the air. Somebody's bound to catch it. <laughs> That's been their offense for the last couple of years. Okay. I, I, I just I didn't understand this at all. Like, they don't seem like fit, like Patriots fits, you know, like as far as, you know, they, they go with safe guys. They go with guys who have good heads on their shoulders, and they go with guys who have played in the pro system at the, at the collegiate level. They didn't check any of those boxes, so I'm just I'm completely confused by what in the hell the Patriots did on in their draft preparation. Now, 
Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys fans out there, like, hey, uh, what 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 what'd you get? Like, what what'd you get on uh, on your Christmas Day? Well, um, like, okay, I guess if you're if you're trying to equate this to like an actual Christmas Day where you're opening gifts or their toys, let's say when you're a kid, okay, you got like this, you got the these toys that were like, oh. Okay, um, it's not like the name brand that I thought I was hoping to get, but it's cool. You're like, you know, it's it'll work. Like, I know that Duplo are not Legos, but Duplo will do. Like, I can I can build stuff with Duplo. Okay, and then your parents are like, Hey, don't you like that? We paid a ton of money for that set of Duplo building blocks, and you're like, What? Do you, like, what do you mean? They're like, Well, these are the limited edition. We paid a ton of money for these. You're like. Okay, well, that doesn't make them any better just because you paid a bunch of money for them. That's kind of how I feel about the Dallas Cowboys draft. Like, even with their first pick, the the kid from Tulsa. Okay, um, yeah, I mean, you needed an offensive lineman. They needed to draft multiple offensive linemen, and they did. Uh, but you needed offensive linemen. They got a guy you – need, you need tackles. Okay, you need, you need offensive tackles. Your tackles are getting old. You need to replace them real soon, if not this year. They got a guy who's going to probably play guard in the NFL and maybe transition to tackle because he's got, you know, he's got some of the tools of an NFL tackle, but he's completely like he's completely raw, like very, very, very raw. And he'll probably again he'll probably start at guard this season and maybe transition offensive tackle if possible later. But they spent the twenty fourth overall pick on a guy, and I thought it was a reach. Then they turn around in in uh, round two to draft an outside linebacker from Ole Miss. Okay, fine. Again, Ole Miss, not known for their defense, was uh, 118th in college football in 2020 and not a whole hell of a lot better last year, although it was improved. But they draft Sam Williams, an offensive lineman, or uh, uh, an offensive lineman, an outside linebacker who is basically only a third-down threat. The guy doesn't play the run, period. Like, he's just he's just a pass rusher. He's a... Pin your ears back because he's got some length and some speed and has got some, you know, some bounce. He can dip the shoulder or whatever. He's not going to play against the run. So <laughs> he's, he automatically becomes a target for any team out there. Like, here's, here's, what, here's what teams in the NFC East are going. Okay, that kid Sam, if, if that kid Sam Williams is out there, I don't care if it's third and nine. We're going to run the ball at him. We're just going to double team. We're going to run the ball at him, and we're going to get 15 yards because – he can't play the run. He has not played the run, and he won't play the run. So second-round pick for that dude, okay? Then they address their wide receiver need. Obviously a, a big need for the Dallas Cowboys this offseason. They went out and got Jalen Tolbert, a kid from, from South Alabama. Again, I don't know anything about him. But based on his size, his skills, his statistics, what they got was a Michael Gallup clone. Okay. Then they got a backup tight end. Uh, I just I, I don't understand any of this. Then later in the draft, okay, in the fifth round, they draft a linebacker from LSU, a guy who put up insane numbers in college. Like Damon Clark's numbers in at LSU have been really, really good. Like he's been very, very productive. Okay. Why did they get him in the fifth round? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's because he had spinal fusion surgery four months ago. They don't even know if the guy's going to play football ever again. 
And, and they're like, oh, we'll just spend a fifth-round pick on him. Fifth round? On a guy who may never play again? Uh, I, man, Cowboys fans, I don't know. I saw some of the things on Twitter, you know, over the you know over the weekend and stuff. And Cowboys fans are very loud and very proud. And sure, they. I mean, why not? You just go for it. Uh, your draft stunk. Sorry, it was it wasn't good. It, you addressed areas of need with players who were taken forty to fifty spots higher than they should have been. Maybe some of them not taken at all. Again, I like Damon Clark. He put up ridiculous numbers at LSU. His numbers are insane. He just had spinal fusion surgery. Oh, okay, sure. I, again, I, I'm, I, I'm not an expert. I'm really not. I, I don't, I don't claim to be. But these are, these are my opinions. I've done pretty well in my time over the years of doing this, uh, of, uh, of, of recognizing good and bad draft classes. And this is a bad one. It, it's, it's just bad. Sorry. Uh, as I mentioned, the Jaguars. Uh, okay, for you know. The, there's reasons why teams are just continuing. They, they just are continually bad all the time. The Jags are one of those teams. I feel bad for Trevor Lawrence because I really do think that he is a top-tier quarterback. I think he's elite-level talent and has an ability to win multiple championships and set NFL records. I really do. I honestly think that. I've seen Trevor Lawrence up close and personal twice in, in games uh, and, you know, again, watched him numerous times on television I just I, I think the world of Trevor Lawrence, and he's stuck in that program for another three years, and they they, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, it, there's going to be comparisons. We're we're going to be doing this for a decade. You watch, it'll be a decade. We'll be talking about this draft and what happened at you know picks number one and two. Even though it's two franchises who are consistently picking number one or number two, in you know in their certainly their most recent histories. But we're going to be talking about we're going to be comparing Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson for a decade, and that the Jaguars completely blew their opportunity to get a change-making player, a, a, a player with so much upside and so much ability, and bring so much to your team. Uh, it, and Trayvon Walker may end up being a good player. I just don't think he'll come anywhere near to being the player that Aiden Hutchinson is going to be. I just don't. As I mentioned, the Commanders, Washington, I, I like two of their picks. I like the Jahan Dotson pick. I think, I think, I think Jahan Dotson, I, I think higher of, high, more highly of him than some of the experts did just because I know what kind of garbage was throwing the football to him during his time at Penn State, and he still put up gaudy numbers. Um, I like Jahan Dotson a lot. And I like the Sam Howell pick. I felt, again, you, know, you listened to my shows last week. I said I think that Sam Howell has the potential to be the best quarterback in this draft just because of – all of the things that translate from college to the NFL, he was the best in this class at those three particular tangibles. Okay, um, and they got him in the fifth, in the fifth round, and I think he'll challenge Carson Wentz for that starting job. And I wasn't a big fan of what the Chargers did. So the the Chargers, obviously, you know they they had some areas of need. Offensive tackle was one of them, so they drafted a guard. They need, they do need a corner. They they probably could use another corner. What they didn't need was another safety. So they used their second pick, pick in the third round, to draft a safety. <laughs> they needed a linebacker like nobody's business. They didn't even draft one. I I I I'm like okay. I like the players that they took. Honestly, like 
Zion Johnson, okay, sure, good player. Uh, uh, Isaiah Spiller, running back from Texas A&M, I think he's a good player. Uh, uh, Abonia, the defensive tackle from UCLA, they got in the fifth round. I thought that was a really good value. I think Abonia is a good player. They got some good players, but it doesn't address any needs at all. So I, I, I'm still kind of up in, up in the air about the Chargers. I don't know what the Chargers are doing. Like, that team could either win 13 games next year or seven. Like, they are they are a volatile team right now. They're, they're, that's an interesting – that's going to be an interesting team to watch this season. I mean, of course they're going to be interesting because they're, they're you know, talented, they got a great quarterback. And, but I, that's a team that's got potential for boom or bust. We'll keep an eye on the Chargers, close eye on the Chargers. What are some of the teams that I did like in, what they did in the NFL draft? I mentioned the Cardinals. I put them up there. There's a couple other teams that I really liked what they did. And for one team, it was a player who's not even, you know, I mean, you, you don't throw punters and kickers into the mix of, cha- you know, guys who are going to make changes and, and be ballers on your team. But one team picked a, a kicking position that I think is going to make them uh, pay dividends for them uh, in the long run. And we'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, real quickly, because I want to spend more than the first hour talking NFL draft. Some of the other teams that had drafts that I like, I thought the Falcons knocked it out of the park. The Ravens were interesting you know, they got they got Hamilton, Linderbaum, and Ojabo, which are three game-changing players if Ojabo can come back from his Achilles uh, tear that he recently had. Of course, he's, he's not going to play this year. Uh, he is a remarkable talent, though. And then they got a absolute massive house of an offensive tackle in uh, the kid from, from uh, Minnesota, Falele. That kid is a monster. Oh, my God. 6'8", 370? and I'll play his offensive tackle, get out the way. Uh, and then they drafted some tight ends. Could be a philosophy change at, uh, in Baltimore as far as offense goes. Could be seeing a lot less down the field, a lot a lot less sexy offensive play from the uh, from the Ravens going back to when they led the NFL in total offense just a few years ago when they went with a lot of two and three tight end sets um, and, and let Lamar Jackson work out of that kind of offense. So could be an interesting watch there for the Ravens. I thought the Chiefs, once again, they did really well. I thought the Jets did really well. Um, I like what the Titans did. I really like what the Seahawks did. Uh, If there's any Hawks fans out there, I like your draft. I like your draft a lot. I really did. I thought it was well thought out. They addressed areas of need. They got some good players. They didn't reach too far for some guys. Um, You know, they got Kenneth Walker from Michigan State, who's got an opportunity to be a, a complete game changer. I thought getting Kobe Bryant, the other corner opposite of Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati in the fourth round, was a steal. I, I honestly, I think that is an absolute steal. And another guy that I like is that wide receiver from Rutgers. Uh, uh, I can't remember his name right now. The, the the kid from Rutgers. He's got some real game breaking type of of ability on him. The Buffalo Bills. I have the Buffalo Bills as one of the top draft. In, in this particular, you know, this this particular season, this year, I love what they did. Um, I think Elam is a good corner, the kid from Florida. They got James Cook, the running back from Georgia. I really, really like him. Uh, honest, I really, really do. The guy that they got, though, in the sixth round 
isn't going to turn heads. I think it's the steal of the draft. I I thought Matt Ariza, the punter from San Diego State, I thought that he had possible third round potential in him, as far as being one of the one of the first players taken. Uh, one of the last players taken on Friday or one of the first players taken on Saturday. I really thought that he was going to go higher than he did. I mean, there were two punters drafted ahead of him, which I'm like, why? The the the, the Georgia punter got drafted in the fourth round, I think. Kermada, listen, Matt Ariza had a, had a game last year in one game where he had three punts of 70 yards or more. Three in a game. He had an 84-yard punt in a game last year for the for the Aztecs. Oh, and also, by the way, he can be an emergency place kicker. He was kicking extra points for the, for the Aztecs last year, too. Uh, I, I think he is one of those people that can flip the field. If, you're, if your team's in trouble and you're backed up, he can punt you to where you're playing defense on the opposing team's 20, and that's massive. That is a massive game-changer. For a, for a defense. I love that pick. That was one of, the, one of the best picks in the draft, to be honest with you. A punter of all people. All right. We're going to take a timeout. A little quick little two-minute turnaround. We'll come back. We'll talk some NBA, some NHL, some local Wildcat news. Stay right here to the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tank of Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.